Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, Christianity is a singing faith. We come together each weekend and sing all around the world today. Uh, Christians are going to gather together, come together and sing. Why is that? Why is that? Uh, That's what we'll answer this weekend. Uh, Let me first kind of just tell you about next weekend, give you a heads up about that. That's going to be off the charts, uh, something every day. Friday night, we're going to have a men's night, and uh, this will be a powerful message, a lot of fun, a great testimony. Uh, This is for uh, students, the seventh grade on up, for um, uh, just all the uh, guys in our church. And I just finished reading the testimony for that. It's going to be powerful on Friday night. We'll look forward to seeing you there. Saturday morning, we've got Water Wars, which is the Rockbrook for Kids outreach event. And uh, they fill this parking lot up with water games and tap into the fire hydrant, and it's a ton of fun. And then our weekend services, uh, this will be the last weekend before uh, going back to school. So I'm going to do a message on building character at school and work and how God wants to use your job and use this school year to grow you in significant ways and God's purpose for those things. Uh, So I've been looking forward to that message for a few weeks, going to do some uh, cool stuff with that that I hope you'll join us for that. And then Sunday night will be our student service next Sunday night. Uh, So this will be the uh, first time that the sixth graders that are going into seventh grade that they'll be at that student service. And uh, that's going to be a powerful time together. It's going to be amazing. Uh, So it's going to be a big weekend. And I'm telling you all this because uh, I told you in the membership class that I'll, I'll give you weekends, I'll tell you weekends that would be great to bring an unchurched person with you. And we try to make every weekend a good weekend for that, but there's some really good ones, and this would be a great one. Maybe you can't uh, get someone to come to a church service with you, but they'd come to men's night, or uh, your kid's friend will come to Water Wars with you, or... Uh, you know, your friend will come to the student service or something like that. So we're looking forward to next weekend. Zach's going to be back out later uh, to give you all the details on those things and how you can participate. Uh, these summer messages, many of you have been telling me have been very helpful, and I'm so glad. I want to help you. I want to bring clarity. Um, I just uh, love you guys. Have I told you lately how much I stink and love you guys and love this church and love that we get uh, to do this together? It's just the privilege of my life. Uh, to be a part of this and to be part of such a unique, amazing uh, group of people called Rockbrook Church. Um, I love you. I really do. I think about you all the time. I take your prayer requests seriously. I pray for you. And uh, probably the only other person in your life who thinks about you more than I do is your mom. And it's close, okay? Um, Because uh, I do. I just love that we get to do this together. And I want to bring clarity to your life and remind you of the why on many different things. Uh, like we've been doing this summer. Uh, I do feel, though, before we we jump into this message today, I've just been reading the news about these shootings that are happening hourly in Texas and Ohio and of the mass shootings and even different shootings in other places. And uh, since we're gathered here together uh, today, uh, I just want us to pause before we we dive into this sermon and what uh, what God has for us today. I just want to pause and have us pray uh, pray together, and uh, I'm just going to read some scripture and, and pray for the injured and pray for uh, these people that have been impacted, pray for the churches in these areas. Uh, my heart's just heavy uh, in seeing what's happened, and since we're together, we're going to turn, uh, turn to the Lord. Uh, that okay? That good? Let's, uh, let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, we just lift up to you uh, today these hurting families and uh, people who have lost loved ones. We pray that they might know you and experience your mercy and comfort and strength and sufficiency in this time. That they would, in every hurt and pain and thought and emotion, um, see that you are close to the brokenhearted. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 34.18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God, we lift up the injured to you today that God might that God you might use your common grace in doctors and nurses and emergency rooms and hospital beds and your word says have mercy on me Lord for I am faint heal me Lord for my bones are in agony we just pray for healing grace for the injured we pray for those who are are helping the injured the first responders and these people with amazing responsibility we Ask that you give them wisdom and strength and skill. Uh, many of them working without sleep or rest. Your word says you give strength to the weary. You increase the power to the weak. God, Proverbs twenty one fifteen says, When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. So we pray for justice for every one and anyone who's played a part in these evil uh, events and, and acts and we ask for grace and wisdom in our civil government for executing justice God, we pray for mercy in Texas and Ohio and all across our country we desperately need the mercy of God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted God, we pray for the church, the churches today in El Paso and Dayton, that they would hold on to the hope of Christ in the midst of despair. Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that the hope of Christ would overflow to others today. God, we lift up people who do not know Christ. They do not know you whether in Texas or Ohio or anywhere else in the world watching what has happened. We pray that more and more people in a world of sin and suffering and evil and death would know the peace and the hope and the love and security that are found in Christ alone. For you came to seek and to save the lost. God, we pray for repentance, that, that the sight of sin and evil in the world around us should not just provoke us to look at the horrors of sin and evil in others, but to turn from the horror of sin and evil in each of our own hearts. God, we repent today. Your word says you're not slow in keeping your promise as some understand slowness. Instead, you are patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God, we pray for perspective. Um, these days, just remind us that every one of our lives is a mist. We're here for a moment. We're gone tomorrow. And we pray today that we live today like it's going to matter forever. Your word says that we don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is our life? We are a, a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. God, we lift up our city to you. 
our county, our schools, our gathering places, our churches. God, we ask you to protect us, and we ask you to help us in our response to the chaos and the evil and the division around us, that our response would be to love. Perfect love casts out all fear, and we ask not only just a generic sense of love, but we ask for your love. God, we want to respond well. We tap into our relationship with you. And God, ultimately, we pray for the coming of Christ. That this, this is why we need salvation. This is why there's a cross and an empty grave. Because there's ultimately no safe place in this world. But one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth where everything will be safe. And God, we plead for that coming day. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, I feel like one of the callings on, on my life as a pastor, Jesus looked at the, at the crowd and he says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They have no clarity in their life. is to continually bring clarity of why we do what we do and the vision of who God is and what he wants to do in your life. And, and that's really what these summer messages have been about. If you were to put them in a series, it's, it's clarity of, of why we believe what we believe. Last week, why we do sermons every week and the purpose of preaching. Many, many of you have told me that light bulbs went on in that message. You even went back and listened to old messages through that lens of, of that purpose. And, and uh, th- this week, I, wanted, I just want to bring clarity of why even churches in these, in these states and uh, in the midst of evil are going to gather together and sing. Why do we do that? Why do Christians do that? Why is it a singing faith? Why are Christians renowned for singing all over the world? Why do we get together and sing? How does worship, particularly worshiping with other people, change us and transform our lives? And one of the many realities of life is that human beings just have, they're hardwired for worship. We just have a desire to worship. And if you don't worship God, you're going to worship something else or someone else. And that's how all evil is introduced into the world and into life. So we start worshiping other things that don't deserve that value that should not be in that place. And all around the world, in every single culture, people worship in different ways, in different styles, not all the same beliefs. But even if you choose to believe there is no God, one of the things you're going to have to reconcile with that choice and come to terms with is why then are are people hardwired to find something of value and elevate it and worship it? To, give, to ascribe worth to something, to worship it. So let's just begin with a definition. What is worship? Now, if I were preaching to a room full of lost people who did not know God, um, I would give you a different definition. There's many definitions of worship, many great definitions. This is a great one, but it speaks to why you came here today, that why we gathered together today. This is a definition of godly worship, Christian worship. You might write this down. Worship is expressing our love and gratitude to God, and this is a mouthful, but you'll see what's going on here, for who he is and what he's done and what he said and what he's promised to do. Worship is expressing our love and gratitude to God basically for everything about him. 
We express gratitude for who he is, what he's done, what he said, what he has promised to do. And anytime you express your love back to God, express your gratitude back to God, you're worshiping. You're worshiping. Jesus said this, the most important commandment is this, and then he quotes the commandment, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. This means you're going to love God with your emotions, love God with what you do with your body, love God with your practically, with your your mind and your mentality and, and everything that is about your life. Now, I want to ask the question today and answer the question, why we do that? Why should we do that? Why should we worship God? Why should we express this gratitude? And there are dozens of reasons. Uh, I'm, we're going to hang our hat on four of them today, okay? Four reasons uh, that we express our love to God and worship. And the first reason is because we were made to be loved by God. We love because he first loved us. Our worship is the response to God's love. When I don't feel like worshiping, it's because I've forgotten how much God loves me. The only reason there's any love in the universe is because there is a God, and God is a God of love. If God were not a God of love, it would be evil and horror and terror all the time. The only reason there is any love in the universe is because God is a God of love. So he made us as objects of love, as of love. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5 says, even before he made the world, wow, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance, it's been his plan all along, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Do not miss this. Even before God created the world. Don't miss this. God started with you and then created a universe and a world in which you could exist and be sustained. God loved you before he even started all of that. So God wanted you and then created a place where you could exist. Why do we love God? Because he loves us. We were made to be loved. We were created to have a relationship and friendship with God. The second reason we worship God is because everything, everything, everything comes from God. The air I breathe, the air you breathe, your heartbeat, your body, the water you drink, the food you eat, everything. The sunshine comes from God. Not only God did God create you, he created everything in this world to sustain you. It all comes from him. Uh, in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, uh, They've just collected, King David just says this beautiful statement about this because they have just collected the largest offering ever in history. It was for building the temple in Jerusalem. And in today's terms, it's about $300 million. And this is what King David had to say about it. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything comes from God. He's the source. God's the source of provision in your life. Everything else is just a resource. Your job is not the source of your income. God is. The job is just the resource. God is the source of of provision in our life. Everything else is just a resource under that. And so when we give, we're, we're giving back to God. It's an expression of worship to give back to him from what he's given to us. So why do we worship? Because we're made to be loved. 
Because everything comes from God. Number three, we express our love to God because we understand life through worship. Every time you center in and focus on God, it raises your perspective, it broadens your understanding, all all of a sudden things start making sense. So often for me, I come into worship and things are inverted. My problems are are so big and my God is so small. My problems are, are so vast, unbreakable. God is so small. And through worship, through singing, through coming together with, with you all, it's, it's inverted. And I leave and, and everything's been put in its proper place. My God is big. My problems are small. I'm not living life for my problems. I'm living life for God. And God's put in his rightful place. My problems are put in their rightful place. Psalm 73, 16 through 17 says, I tried to understand it all, but it was too hard for me to see until I went to the temple of God. Then I understood what was happening. And this is true for whatever problem you're dealing with, your problems in life. Uh, In this instance, King David is talking about the problem of evil and why these people who were trying to harm others seem to be getting away with it. And then he realized the the battle that's happening, the spiritual war that's at stake and that is happening. He realizes that ultimately these evildoers aren't even getting away with with anything in the end. All of a sudden he gets God's perspective. He gets God's wisdom. You get God's wisdom when you worship. We're not going to get a godly perspective and godly wisdom from television. You can go home today and try to find it on cable news. I'm sorry, it's just not there. You can try and get it from talk radio. It's not there. You can try and get it from whatever news source or whatever thing. You're not going to get godly wisdom from there. You're not going to get godly peace and wisdom from the lake, from sports, from anything else. And you can go out and enjoy God in nature, and you can find peace and quiet by yourself, but you don't get the peace of Christ. You don't get wisdom. You don't get perspective. You don't get to say, well, I, I, didn't, I tried to understand it all, but it was too hard for me. Yes, it is. It's too hard for us. It's got to come from God. So we understand life through worship. Number four, we, we express our love to God because God strengthens us through worship. We get the energy and the power to do it. Where? To do life through worship. And when you love and express your gratitude to God, he strengthens your heart, strengthens your soul, strengthens your body. Psalm 18, 28. This is an amazing passage to, to study, to read in, in several different translations. It says, oh Lord, you give me light. You dispel my darkness. You give me strength to attack my enemies and power to overcome their defenses. Because you know that when you come into worship, God gives you the strength to defeat the things in life that are trying to defeat you. I I know of a very successful therapist who everyone who comes to him who is depressed, one of the questions he asks them is, did you sing all the songs in church on Sunday? Why does he ask that? Why does, why does he say that singing is so important? He says, because impression without expression leads to depression. Impression without expression leads to depression. And you just need it. For, you need worship. You need singing for your emotional health. This verse goes on. This God, how perfect are his deeds, how dependable his words. He's like a shield for all who seek his protection. Boom. That's what happens in worship. I'm in. Now, that's the why, but the next question is, what kind of worship does God like? Because the Bible is clear that God likes worship 
certain ways. And you want to go to all the trouble to worship God and not worship Him in the way He, he, he wants. So how do I worship God the right way? What kind of worship is God looking, from, looking for from me? Here's the kind of worship God loves. Sum it up in two words. God loves wholehearted worship. Wholehearted worship. It's the opposite of half-hearted or insincere worship. He loves passionate worship. He loves it when you tell God that you love him and you tell him passionately. When you're grateful for what he's done in your life and you tell him and thank him passionately. Uh, My two-year-old son uh, went out to Grandpa Kelly's, my dad's this week, and uh, hit Landry. He is all about mowers. He loves lawnmowers. Uh, just all the time. I mean, that's the primary thought in his mind is lawnmowers and where the lawnmower is at this current time, lawnmowers in the shed, mowers in the barn, mowers in the barn. So uh, he goes out to Grandpa Kelly's and he rides the lawnmower. We don't have a riding lawnmower, so I just take him to Lowe's and we sit out in front on the riding lawnmower and wave at everyone who comes by. I've seen many of you there and we, yeah, we wave, but he goes out to Grandpa Kelly and Grandpa Kelly takes him on the ride on the mower They get done, and Landry says, thank you, Grandpa Kelly, for taking me on a ride on the lawnmower. And my dad was so touched by that, he took him on two more rides on the lawnmower. (laughs) You know, we were created in God's image. God likes it when you're grateful for the stuff that he gives you. He likes it, and he'll bless you more. Do you know that when you worship with your whole heart, that God blesses you in ways that you would not normally be blessed? Second Chronicles 31, 21. And all that he did in the service of the temple of God, so this is corporate worship, and in his efforts to follow God's laws and commands, Hezekiah sought his God, how? Wholeheartedly. Oh, and by the way, as a result, he was very successful. Hezekiah had one of the most uh, successful, prosperous reigns as a leader of Israel. Why did God prosper him? Because, why did God give Hezekiah amazing success? Because he worshiped God wholeheartedly. Look at God's response to those who worship him half-heartedly or insincerely. God says, uh, these people say they are mine. So they, they claim to be my children. They claim to be in my family. They claim to be my followers. They're believers. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Have you ever been in a service where everything was just memorized and said by rote? There's no passion. People, it's just going through the tradition. People aren't even thinking about what they're saying. God says they're just pushing play on a track and going through the motions, not even thinking about it. So what kind of worship does God want? What does wholehearted worship look like? In John 4, 23, Jesus tells us that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Now, what does it mean to worship God in spirit and in truth? Well, first of all, that spirit there, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. This is small s spirit. This is your spirit. You connect to God on, on a spiritual, emotional, deep level, sincerely. It needs to be authentic. But it's also got to be true. It's got to be accurate in spirit and in truth, authentic and accurate. And many people will say it doesn't matter, as you, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere, as long as you really believe it. It's not all about you. 
you, when, you, when you believe that, you've put yourself at the center. You've made it all about you, just how much, how much you believe it, how sincere you are. That's only half of it. It's got to be in spirit and in truth. It's got to be accurate. It's got to be based on God's word. It's got to be sincere. It's got to be true. There is absolute truth. There is a God. And so it needs to be passionate and true. It's got to be from the heart. It's got to be based on God's word. So how do, how do I do this? How do I worship in spirit and in truth? And uh, there's many different acts of worship we could talk about today. One of them is what you're doing now, hearing, listening, uh, remembering, responding to God's word. It's an act of worship. Giving back to God is an act of worship where I mean, the rubber meets the road and that's, that's touching my finances. It's touching areas of my life and gathering together with one another. Many different acts of worship. I want to talk about one today that we may be forgetting the power of that we haven't talked about in a little while. That I can worship God, I can show my love to God by singing to Him. If you're taking notes, by singing together with our whole hearts. And it's really important for you, lear- for you to learn to celebrate with other people. Uh, this is why uh, people where it's illegal to share the gospel, it's illegal to own a Bible, it's illegal to, to gather with one another, that they still find a way. And they start a small group, they start a house church, they, they, they meet under the underground church because they believe wherever two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, there he is in their midst, there he is among them, and they're willing to risk their life to do it. To, that's why God wants us to worship uh, him with a church body every seven days. The Bible says when we sing together, it's an act of worship. You know, as far as biblical commandments, what would you say is the most commanded thing in the Bible? And many people would say, well, it's to fear not. Lots of places it says to fear not. Many people would say, well, it's to love or love God or love others. Many scholars will say definitively, that singing is the most frequently commanded thing in Scripture. Now, the reason we don't think that is because it's commanded in all these different ways. The Bible will say, clap your hands, sing to God, give thanks, praise God, rejoice, make music, make melody in your heart, shout aloud, shout together, sing a psalm, sing a hymn, a spiritual song, make music with a harp, with a lyre, with a trumpet, clash of cymbals, and on and on and on. And that's not like a checklist of different ways to praise God, like I've got to do all these separate commands, it's all the same thing. When you combine it all together, it's one of, if not, the most frequently commanded thing in the Bible. And the reason it's important to call out all those commandments talking about the same thing is because some of those words we don't see as being inherently musical words, but they are. In the Bible, the music is often implied. Take the word rejoice. Most people don't think of the word rejoice when they see it in the Bible as being singing or inherently musical, but biblically it is. The way you see the word rejoice used is synonymous with singing or praise. And it's why you'll see the Apostle Paul, he'll write one letter to one church and and you parallel it with a letter to another church and things are coming together and it's just mirrored and in one place he'll say singing and one place he'll say rejoice or one place he'll say give thanks because it's all the same type of thing. The crazy thing I want to tell you is that it's not just in terms of rejoice or give thanks. The most important word in the Bible that has an implied musical component that we totally miss is the word pray. Most of the time when you see the word pray in the Bible, it's talking about singing. Ryland, how do you know that? What are you talking about? 
For instance, the Psalms are called the prayer book of the Bible. But all those Psalms on the page, words on the page, had a tune. They were songs. It's the songbook of the Bible. And if you go to a synagogue today, uh, that's, I mean, Jewish prayer was sung. And so if you go to a synagogue today, their service would be very similar to, similar to ours. They're going to have a sermon. They're going to have singing. They're going to call a sermon a sermon. And they're going to call singing prayer. What songs are we going to pray today? So what was Jesus doing when he was up all night praying? He was spending much of the time singing. When it says Jesus prayed, he's often singing because we know Jesus prayed the Psalms. And he knew the tunes to the Psalms. He, he heard the original version. He knows what's going on there. And so, okay, there's so many different ways to pray. There's four primary ways you can pray. You can think your prayer. You can write down your prayer. You could say your prayer. Or you could sing your prayer. You think it, write it, say it, or sing it. You only think your prayer when you're like in a meeting or a situation that you can't say it or write it down. But then you could write it down or say it, and that's better because at that point, God has become very real, real enough that I'm going to write this down to him or I'm going to say it out loud. I'm not saying it to thin air. God's real. He's hearing my prayer. Biblically, the best way to do your prayer is to sing it. It's to sing it. And most of the time when the Bible's talking about prayer, okay, is every time the Bible's talking about prayer singing? No. Because if you strip the music away, is it still prayer? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we think default prayer is spoken, and then I'll just add this music in as like this flowery ornamentation or this extra credit thing. When actually, if you only speak your prayer, you've stripped something away. Songs used to be default poetry, and then somewhere along the line, poets forgot how to sing, and they would just write it down, and then it became this literary form that was much higher and more creative. Well, how is it more creative or a higher form if you took half of the thing away? you took half of the creativity away. So what we're talking about when we're talking about singing to God is not some auxiliary thing like there's prayer and scripture and then there's this extra credit thing for people who are really into it in their spiritual life to sing. No, singing, it's an essential habit of the Christian life. And one of the things that can happen is we'll spend so much time talking about how worship is more than singing that we'll forget the power of singing, that we'll forget how much of worship is singing. It's a big tool of worship. You know, every time God pulls back the veil to his throne room or to heaven, what are they doing? They're singing. And when you sing, it opens up a portal to another realm. You know, every time the angels show up, what are they doing? They're singing. Half the time, the angels deliver the message, they leave, and then that person that got the message starts singing. And some people think, well, if I can, I miss church and I'll just catch the sermon and I got the whole thing. But music doesn't set the stage for the sermon or echo the sermon. Singing is a discipline in and of itself, just like reading the Bible, just like praying. Disciples sing. Christians sing. And the Bible says you must sing, not just be around it, not just be in the room when it happens, but to open your mouth and sing. He likes it. He takes pleasure in it. And as far as we can tell, music is God's language. Like an evolutionary biologist has two things that are impossible to explain. One is, why does music exist in the first place? And they have to answer why it moves us so deeply. 
So why does music just move us to our core, and why does it exist in the first place? Mathematically, all these pitches, they come together and in harmony, and then they procreate and create more notes, and then create more notes, and mathematically, it's a miracle. It's amazing. Why? Because God wrote it into the fabric of the universe. And watch what happens when we take God up on his offer to sing. Let's jump down to Ephesians 5, where it says, don't be drunk with wine, because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's go back to the beginning of that verse. When Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, instead, of, instead be filled with the Spirit, what's he mean? The wrong way to take that is to say, stop doing this bad thing and start doing this virtuous thing. Like, stop doing this, this fun, bad thing and start doing this good, boring thing. That's how we take it. But that's not, that's not what he's talking about in this verse. We take it as like when we tell our kids, stop watching TV and go clean your room. And then we try to pretend like that's a lot more fun and that would be really great for everybody. But everybody knows it's not as fun. No, the reason he's comparing this, don't be drunk on wine, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, is because they're the same type of thing. The high or the low that you get from alcohol or whatever you're seeking, the sense of your problems going away, the sense of being more relaxed, of course you want that, and alcohol will give it to you sometimes. It'll also ruin your life. So here's a better way. Get it from God. Drink of a living drink that satisfies completely, wholly, eternally. Seek that feeling from God. Get joy and peace from Him. This is not stop watching TV and go do your homework. This is, hey kids, let's stop watching TV so we can go to Silver Dollar City. Like Stop doing this thing that keeps leaving you empty and go to this thing that will actually fill you. Stop messing around with this and go directly to God for joy and peace stop taking part of this thing that leads to just this bland life and go to this thing be filled with god and you see, i was with a, some people from our church this week we went to a church conference and it was so much fun it was amazing we did a lot of singing one of the guys on the trip told me you know i used to think i had to be buzzed to have a good time i am having the most fun he said And you see it right here in that verse that you experience God this way. Don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Sing songs. Boom, boom, boom. And whenever you're singing, you're opening up a door that the Holy Spirit can walk through and help you face whatever you're facing. You know, the amazing thing about today is that we all come into the room and we all have different needs today. We all have different needs. Some of us uh, are physically sore. We need we need restoration in our body. We need healing. There's illness or disease. We have people in our church who are facing terminal illness. Some of us need revitalization in our marriage. Some of us need a breakthrough in our, our kids' life. Some of us need a financial miracle, financial direction. Some of us need the strongholds of materialism or addiction to break in our life. We all come and we all need different stuff. We all come with different needs. But you know why we're all here together today? Because we all worship the same God. 
We come with different needs, but we all worship the same God. Let's pray together. Father, we look at your word. We see your priorities. We see what you say is important. And it's just so different than our priorities. Father, we see that disciples sing. That's what they do. So I ask you to use the words of Scripture and these songs to show us who we are, show us who you are, who you want us to be in you. God, as we lift our voices in this place week after week, as we join our voices with the angels and, and with heaven, I, I just ask that you do what you promised to do. Protect us, give us a sense of your love, change us, fill us, transform us, satisfy us, direct us, guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.